On today's show, the Cleveland Cavaliers 2022-23 schedule is out. We're going to talk about that and more. I want to thank you for making Lockdown Cavs your first listen every day. Remember, we are free and available wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Cavs, your daily Cleveland Cavaliers podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by BetOnline. BetOnline has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. That's BetOnline where the game starts. The music heard on the way in is from our friends at Astro Radio. Check them out on Apple Music or Spotify. I'm Chris Manning covering the Cavs and the NBA for places like Diamond Up Rocks and SB Nations for the Sword. My co-host is Evan Damerel covering the Cavs and the Cleveland sports scene at large for Facebook's right down Euclid. Producer Jake Stevens is not with us today behind the virtual glass, but he is the one who produces this episode. Evan, the schedule is out. We know how mm-hmm. we're going to spend a lot of nights this fall. Let's Let's talk about it. Well, yes, he had no a lot of nights. The Cavs are on the road a little bit, quite a bit, actually. But it's like we, but like we also will be like watching the games, so like we know what we'll be doing. Yeah, 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 yeah. And if I, neither of us are going to travel the team. Myself is the person who is just pseudo on the beat included. But um, yeah, for forty-one games a year this year, we now know who the Cavs will be playing and when they'll be playing them. At Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse, uh, Chris, I do have to ask you this: Did you have any like initial broad takeaways when you're first breaking down the schedule? Like, I, I have a few. When we can get into the nitty gritty, of course. But for me, I'm just like, it's pretty, pretty tough. Like first month and part of October for Cleveland. Like this, this could be really what defines their season early on. Yeah, I I think the way I look at the schedule for me is I don't look at it in terms of like the what it says about how many national TV games it said. I don't care. I I I don't care. I don't care about like schedule leaks. I think those are among the dumbest scoops you can possibly get in all of sports media where it's the land of stupid scoops. What I tend to think about the schedule is that I want to see how it's I I my where I first go is I look at how it starts. And then I look how it ends. And then the middle is what it is. I look for the West Coast trips. I look at the back-to-backs. I go to positive residual and look at, like, okay, do the Cavs. What does that say? What does that model say about the Cavs' strength of schedule? What does it say about the number of games they play where they're on rest and other teams are not? Like, And the schedule in that sense, if you look at it, and we'll talk about this a lot in segment two in a structural sense, I think, like, A, the league overall is trying to limit travel for teams this year. The Cavs also have a really – manageable schedule in terms of number of back-to-backs and number of games that they're, they're going to have where they are rested coming in and the other team is not. Where, where I think I, I go to is I think opening in Toronto is a ton of fun. I think going to Toronto where you get Evan Mobley and Scotty Barnes, you get two teams that finish relatively close to each other in the regular season last year playing an opening night. You get two teams that play really differently stylistically. I, I love that opening night, and I love the first seven games at Toronto, at Chicago, home opener against Washington versus the Magic. And then you go to Boston, you play the Knicks at home, then you play Boston at home. That's a tough 
slate to open the schedule. There's a lot of intrigue. There are some winnable games in there for sure. I would say they're definitely, I would imagine they're favorites against Washington, Orlando, and New York. But like Boston twice right away and Toronto and Chicago, that's like, let's put the let's put the Cavs into this gauntlet right away and let's see what we learn from that opening stretch. Yeah, it's not just, I agree with you. Like there is a bit of some winnable games in there. Like I feel comfortable saying like New York is going to be the toughest of those aforementioned three because like, Washington is a bit of a wild card just with Brad Beal could go off for 40 and just make their lives a living nightmare. But Orlando, they're, they're a team who's not trying to win at this point. They're probably looking at Victor Venbaya and just saying, yeah, that's that's our guy. But once it transitions over to November for me is where it starts to get really meaty. So like you said, they play Boston soon after they play New York at home. And that's like their first game in November. And then they're in Detroit. And then they shoot all the way across to Los Angeles. And two days later, they play the Lakers and the Clippers on a back-to-back. Then two days later, they are in Sacramento. Two days after that, they're in San Francisco to play the Warriors. And then they come home two days after that to play the Timberwolves. And then three days after that, they play Milwaukee. And then soon after, they have Miami and Atlanta on a back-to-back. And then they have Milwaukee again. And then they wrap up the month, they have Toronto and Philly as well. Like... That's what I mean. We're like, it's a, it's a tough opening stretch of those teams. I mentioned the only non-playoff team, technically speaking, were the Clippers and Lakers. But the Clippers are going to be dramatically different with Kawhi and Paul George back. And then the Lakers, they're, they're interesting enough with LeBron signing that extension. But like, they're, they're just going to be an interesting team. And just who knows what they'll be that early into the season, especially nine games in for either team. But um, it'll, it'll be fun, at least for the Cavs. Um, I think it'll be an interesting stretch. And if you really want to say, Hey, there's not the public pressure from the organization side of things saying like we expect playoffs or bust, but like at least from a fan side of things, at least in the court of public opinion, like there is a pressure. There's an onus to be a playoff caliber team to show that like, Mm -hmm. Hey, last season wasn't a fluke for us. We are, we really do belong. Maybe not in the upper echelons of the Eastern conference, but we belong outside of the playing conversation and just the playoff conversation. And if you're able to go out there and win a lot of these tougher games, like golden state's going to be super hard. I, I would say, especially cause it's in San Francisco. I think Milwaukee's going to be hard cause that's in Milwaukee twice. You have Boston, like you said, have a home and home with them. So like, that's going to be difficult no matter how you shake it. Like, there, and then the Clippers t- as well. Like, let's not throw any disrespect towards them, especially if they have PG-13 and Kawhi back. So this is a good way, a good litmus test to kind of maybe see if the Cavs are ready to take that next step, if they're able to handle some pressure early on into the season. And then after that, you can kind of just keep building off the momentum you're riding off of, or you really have to kind of do some self-evaluation and soul-searching because the luxury of this tough stretch to start the season is, is also it's a blessing and a curse to me, but the, the blessing is is if the Cavs look kind of rocky, they can make adjustments in order to right the ship and ride out the course in the remainder of this season. Yeah, I I think the opening schedule is is I think there will be some stuff we need to like put pins in and say okay does this hold up when this team is fully healthy as things mm-hmm. change like there there is a lot of weirdness in that opening and like Boston's good like and, like like what kind of Boston are you getting in the first seven games of the season I don't know they just played in the finals like who I don't know if, do they come out swinging in the same way like there's little things here that I think can make the early slate like prime for overreaction but also like let's like chill like I don't like are the clip the Clippers like. I don't know if they're on cruise control, right? Like, what are the what are the Lakers on their part of these? Like, there's a lot I think of questions. On the other side of this, the end of the season 
is like mm-hmm. on paper an incredibly manageable stretch. They played in yeah. Brooklyn twice on March 21st and March 23rd. Lord knows what that team will even be. <laughs> I have no idea. Okay, you can convince me of a lot of things. From there, you get home versus the Rockets, who like are frisky and like interesting, but are probably going to be bad. You go at yeah. Atlanta, home versus the Knicks, home versus the Pacers. You get in, you play at Orlando twice in three days, and then you're at home on versus the Hornets on Easter Sunday in a matinee regular season finale. We look at this. We look at those last stretch of games. It's a long ways away. A lot will change. A lot will happen. All that stuff. All the caveats. That is an incredibly manual stretch if you're reasonably healthy and making a playoff push or trying to avoid the play. And that's a soft way to end the season. And you already scheduled for me, Evan. I look at March 28th. I look at the game against the Hawks in Atlanta. I am circling that one in Sharpie. And I'm saying this could be a game where, like, there are real stakes to this late in the regular season. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there absolutely is. Because I talk about echelons in the Eastern Conference. I think the clear... Head of the pack is your Milwaukee's, your Boston's, your 76ers, depending on just how you feel about them. Uh, the Heat as well. The Atlanta could be a team that jumps into that group, just depending on how the um, moves they made this offseason, just like kind of how they evolve and level up to. But they also fall flat on their face as well because the Hawks were a little bit hit or miss last season. Mm-hmm. But let's say Cleveland is kind of in that area with, like, let's say, like Atlanta, Chicago, Toronto, that game against the, like you said, against the Hawks is going to have a lot of implications to it because one, this is a team that kind of <clears throat> you were beating for the majority of the playing tournament game. And then you just kind of let slip through the cracks and then defeat you. And also like there could be some serious implications as well when it comes to just like, do you want to avoid the playing tournament or do you want to be a playoff team as well? Like that, that's, that could be the different difference between five, six, and then having to be seven, eight, nine or 10 to me at least yeah i i mean i think that i think we'll get into this structurally like in, in what games we're looking forward to seeing but like the Cavs season will be defined by like how they would do against toronto how they do against atlanta how they do against chicago it is about how like yes we want to see and how much they can punch up and how well they do against milwaukee and boston and these really really good teams in both conferences mm-hmm. it is just like how do they do against the teams at their level that finish are going to finish around them in the standings can they win those games can they pick can they give themselves advantages in those situations to avoid the playing tournament. I mean, I think the goal for this year for the Cavs is probably to avoid the playing tournament. I don't know if you can aim higher than like five or six. I don't know how, like, if I want to say like they're going to make that kind of leap just yet. This is still very early in, in what's going on here. I think like you have to, if they're going to take that step forward and avoid the playing tournament this year, it's going to be beating teams like Atlanta. It's mm-hmm. going to be beating Toronto. It's going to be beating Chicago. Yeah, you got to walk before you crawl, like you said. I think... You have to, you made the playing tournament last year. You didn't win, obviously, some such things out of their control. Also, just drawing the Nets and the Hawks is kind of a tough ask of this Cavs team. But if your, your goal this season should be to make the playoffs, and I think the easiest path is just to avoid the playing tournament entirely. And then you get a best of seven series, probably, like you said, as the fifth or the sixth seed, realistically speaking, just because there is like a clear gap between the Cavs right now then milwaukee philadelphia miami boston and again atlanta as well i think i'm higher on them than most but i think they're like kind of up there but yeah you need to make sure you're taking care of business against one the teams that are bad like the orlando's of the world or the pistons or even the pacers as well and then teams that are trying to be good but i'm unsure about like like the wizards or the knicks and then of course just handling the people in your company as you mentioned as well so as long as you do that and yeah we'll talk about games we're excited for but like I am really interested to see logistically how the Cavs make this work, but 
it's a tough start to the season and then it's a little bit of smoother sailing with sometimes some tough matchups like sprinkled in between throughout the entire stretch of the year and that's just that's just the nature of the beast of an 82 game grind of a season is that's hard and then you obviously just with the team being so the league being so talented in general like you're gonna have tough opponents no matter what some nights Yes. All right. After the break, we're going to dive into some of the structural quirks of the schedule in terms of back-to-back games, uh, the, the, what the Cavs schedule actually is in terms of how easy it is, all of that stuff and more. But first, going to tell everyone about uh, an important, give you an important message from NHTSA Impaired Driving. You're hanging out with some friends and putting back a few drinks. A few becomes a few too many. As the evening comes to an end and people start to head out, you think for calling for a ride. Nah, you live nearby. You can make it home. It's no big deal. What are the odds you're going to get pulled over anyway? And even so, what's the worst that could happen? Your insurance goes up. You lose your license. You lose your job. You total your car. You kill someone. Everyone knows about the risks of drunk driving. The results are tragic and often deadly. However, that doesn't stop everyone from getting behind the wheel while under the influence. That's why police officers are out there right now looking for impaired drivers on our roads to save lives. So if you think you're okay to do drive after a few drinks, think again. Play it safe and plan ahead to get a ride. It only takes one mistake to change your life or someone else's forever. Drive sober or get pulled over. All right, back here on Lockdown Cavs. I'm Chris Manning. That is Evan Dimmerl. 12 sets of back-to-back games, Evan, this year for the Cavs. That's a very manageable number. Some other teams mm-hmm. have a very intense, like, 10 before Christmas, and, like, that's nuts. The Cavs don't have that, which works in their favor. Yeah. Um, according to Positive Residual, which has, a, a, I think, a very used in the league and also just, like, an effective way for me of, like, evaluating the schedule, factoring in, you know, rest days and all that, the Cavs have the fifth easy schedule in the league coming into the season, so they have... And if we're looking at this as an 82 game marathon, like they have a marathon, I think that on paper they should be able to to manage them. How it's set up for them, they have 12 games this year, which where they are coming and rested, and the other team does not. So that means another team is playing on a back to back. The Cavs have a day off beforehand. The Lakers and the Hawks both have 14. The Kings and the Raptors have 13, and the and the Wolves like the Cavs have 12. So I that I look at those things, Evan. I say you know you back to backs are limited. They have a relatively easy schedule. A lot they're going to play a lot of bad teams at key times. Like all things considered, like you have to go and win the games. That that they have to go and win the games. These are third, these are professional basketball players. The Cavs, I think, structurally have a schedule that I think does work for them in a lot of ways. Yeah, they do. I think, as you noted, the twelve back to backs is 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 an improvement for them. They had fifteen last season, which is always a marketed improvement. I think the NBA trying to employ more of these like baseball home and home series or two games and one or like two games and three nights in the same city kind of situation is going to help a lot too i think the Cavs having less back-to-backs in general and also having the benefit of having more rest on their side is going to help them a little bit too because we saw what happened when this Cavs team started to look gassed and i mean Granted, some of it did come because of injuries, and they were asking a lot of players to do a lot more than maybe what was expected of them at the beginning of the season. But at this time, it, it, it makes you feel a little better about the Cleveland's chances, especially because now a lot of these guys, whether it's Darius Garland, especially Evan Mobley, and then Jared Allen as well, then Marketing. I mean, Osmond, if he still happens to be here, a Coro too. Like, there's a lot of guys that, like, fully understand, like, okay, this is not a sprint. It's a marathon. Like, we don't need to come out the gates, guns blazing, and go, like, 26-0 to start the season. And then we watch our season kind of slip apart from there because we're worn out already. Or there's guys that are banged up and not fully healthy. And I think the Cavs, 
having a little bit of extra luxury, not having like these crazy, crazy road trips like they did to begin last season helps a lot too. And you kind of just figure out where it goes from there. But it, that's what made me more optimistic about Cleveland's chances. I think their longest road trip hitting in January right when the calendar year turns over and they have like mm-hmm. five games and nine nights. Like that's that's not bad if that's your longest road trip. But at the end of, at the end of the day, like that could be the difference maker. And I think being healthy. When you get to that aforementioned Atlanta game that we talked about in the first segment, like towards the end of the season, like if you're able to be standing up even more than so than normal, your your chances of making the playoffs are much more improved, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I think again, you, I think we need to just see like how this unfolds, but like we need to just see like, do they get an unlucky injury that kind of wipes some of these advantages away? There just are advantages. Like if you look at the number back to backs, Charlotte also has the same. Like it's so it's uh, Toronto. Phoenix, the Knicks, the Pelicans, the Grizzlies, the Lakers, the Nuggets, the Cavs, and the Hornets all have 12 back-to-backs. That's the fewest number in the league. The Jazz lead the league. The Kings, the Clippers, the Warriors, and, and the Bull and the Bulls all have a ton. The Cavs also, um, according to like a thing I saw on Twitter, have the least number of air miles this season. Like they're just like some of the the drag of like traveling a bunch like does work out for them. The other thing, and Evan, you hit on this. Is that like the Cavs are going to have those baseball style road trips? All the teams are going to have them. So like they have one where they're going to spend uh, like play twice in three days in Miami. Uh, good for the Cavs that they get to spend some time in Miami, which is a fun city if you're really rich and, and like being out really late. Then they play Charlotte. Uh, they have that same situation in Charlotte right after that. They do this in Brooklyn as well. They do it in Orlando I, at the end of the season. Yeah, like the I like these and like yeah. you know on top on top of like it meaning these guys don't have to like hop on planes and all of that nonsense like i like teams playing each other back to back i think it's fun so yeah i i like that this is like a real quirk that there's a lot of this during the season yeah if anything maybe as well it gives you the at least these young calves like a bit of a taste of maybe what like a playoff setup is where you get into a city and you kind of just set up shop there you get acquainted with the environment like you said there's not a lot of movement a lot of travel in that regard and i just think it's smart that the nba like a lot of fans are like well what the heck's going on here like why are the Cavs playing like so many of the same teams at the same time a lot of it's just logistics too i think there's the carbon footprint aspect of it, but I think you don't want to fatigue or burn out your players by making them run back and forth all over the country. Like I, I, I did raise an eyebrow when I saw the Cavs are in Detroit and they fly straight to Los Angeles and kind of take care of business on the West Coast for a little bit. Like that kind of stinks, but that's just the nature of the beast as well, where every team in the NBA is required to play each other like at some point this season, like the Cavs have to go to Los Angeles, they have to go to Sacramento and San Francisco and everything else in between, but. I'm a fan of the baseball style system too. It also maybe it, it, there's some tactical stuff to it too, like where we can watch what JB Bickerstaff does, like whether it's Miami or Charlotte or Orlando, like we talked about, like maybe there's like some things that didn't work in game one and then maybe see JB employ something different in game two or vice versa. Like maybe JB doesn't really play his whole hand because Atlanta's a team that they could face in the actual playoff situation and like, or implication situation. And we're like, Charlotte could be a team as well. Cause they're kind of in that, like maybe a step below Cleveland and Atlanta, but like kind of in that same, like area code as them. So yeah, I think there's some interesting tactical stuff that could happen, but I don't know. I'm a fan of the baseball style schedule. Like, I don't think it's that odd. No, I, I think it's great. And I, I, I'm curious. This is one of those things where, like, now that we've seen, like, a little bit of this last year, and now we're going to see it, like, really in full this year, I am very intrigued to see um, 
how the, the the players, I guess, but like someone like Kevin Love, for example, who has like been around, right? Mm-hmm. Who has been around for a long time, who has dealt with NBA travel for you know for a large chunk of his adult life. Like, how does he like? Does he like that he gets to like ha- like just basically be in the same hotel for three days or whatever it ends up being? Like, kids, or how do the players like ultimately like? Just do they feel like it helps them navigate these things? Like, uh, these are things I will be curious to ask. Like, as the season goes on a little bit, just because like we don't, I mean, we don't know, you know, we don't truly, yeah. truly know. But I'm, I'm, in, I'm certainly um, in, intrigued by it, and I, I do, I, I love the tactical side of it. Like, does do they make big one game to game switches? Like, if the Cavs like come out and like play well against Miami like what does Spolster throw at them for game two and like that there's yeah. I it's not going to be the same intensity but we did see last year like there is some of that like hey it gives you an idea of what this is going to be like and yeah I'm uh I'm I'm very pro all of this I and I just these guys like just honestly get run into the ground so if we can like run the play if we can see a world where the players are less run into the ground that's a great ab- thing absolutely absolutely all for it. it it only helps the product at the end of the day like if all 30 teams are able to stay functional and somewhat healthy, like that's just going to make the, the end game a lot better for the NBA in general. So I don't know. I'm, yes. I'm a big proponent of it too. And yeah, we'll see what happens, but how about we take another quick break and then we'll touch on some of the games we're really like looking forward to this season. Yes. Last uh, one more I break, then we're going to go into the teams we want to see. We're going to tell everyone about our friends at bet online, BetOnline.net is the fastest and easiest way to check in and all your favorite, uh, all your betting needs this season. Find all of your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. Find reviews and news of every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for sports wagering information from live in-game betting scores and podcasts. They have you covered. That includes on Cavs games this season, on Cavs over-unders, on Cavs like Evan Mobley to win awards, J.B. Bickers to have a win coach of the year there's a ton of stuff over at bet online head to bet online today or use your mobile device to learn more about the action happening today that's bet online that's where the game starts all right last segment here on the lockdown cast podcast evan where do you who are you excited to see the Cavs play i'm going to ask you this first who, are, who give me give me a team you want to see the Cavs play this you're excited about the boston celtics i think just they're kind of the gold standard of rebuilding and refiguring out and navigating how to rebuild like they went from the kg ray allen paul pierce era to having tatum and brown and a lot of fun young pieces i was on a celtics podcast and i said i think Pratt stevens having the wherewithal to realize that the celtics needed a new voice in the locker room like was probably one of the best moves the celtics made last offseason but that home and home early in the season, I think, is going to be a good litmus test for where the Cavs kind of stand. Uh, let's be like Boston was a top five team defensively. They're one of the best teams in terms of offense. I think Brown and Tatum is just a really interesting test for them. Like, there's a lot of things that I want to see, and also kind of put in perspective. Maybe, hey, the Cavs are kind of knocking at the door, like leveling up and being a playoff team instead of a play-in team, or will we instead be having a conversation like, okay, Boston? Lost in the NBA Finals last year, but they are still a pretty dang good team. Like, they would, wouldn't surprise me if they're in the Finals again this year. Um, mm-hmm. If the Cavs kind of get mollywatched by them, we can kind of say instead, and kind of instead have the conversation like, okay, what do the Cavs need to do in order to catch up to Boston a little bit? Maybe not this season, but like, what improvements can they make now? And then 
next offseason and further down the line, obviously. Like, that, that's a team I'm kind of looking forward to, and getting a home and home with them early in the season is a good way to kind of figure out where the Cavs stand. I am going to start with the Raptors because I think it's we're in a special place with Mobley and Barnes and Kate all coming from this draft class. And we're going to get to see them level up and play against each other for years. We're going to get to see these guys go head to head and obviously not directly head to head. This is a team sport and all that, but like they're going to play against each other for a long time in theory. They're in the same conference. Barnes, you know, ended up winning rookie of the year last year. Mobley, I think, probably deserved it. But like these are two teams also that are fighting for playoff spots, played different stylistically. Toronto is like it for me, like if there's like a little mini kind of Toronto Cavs rivalry kind of uh developing out of this i think i think that's a ton of fun and like atlanta's kind of the same edge for me because it's darius and trey now they have dejounte murray who uh darius they said the same agency and have worked out together and stuff before like they played each other in the play-in last year and trey's like kind of a villain not only in the league but like he's a villain with Cavs fans like now like this is just these things are fun and like i Mm -hmm. i want to see how the Cavs this year year two the year where like there are some expectations now. Let's see how they level up against against some of these teams at their level. That is like to me like what I keep circling it on, and it's I would say it's Toronto and Atlanta among Eastern teams at least. It's Toronto and it's Atlanta, and I want to see the I want to see them play. Sh- Chicago obviously is like a little different of an energy here, but like they're a team like can they jump ahead of Chicago in some way this year? It's going to be interesting because in terms of the Central Division, I think Cleveland and Chicago are going to kind of be fighting back and forth for second place in the division unless the Bulls just are dramatically different. And I just think health is the biggest thing holding them back right now. But I just Milwaukee's the clear front runner in the Central Division right now. So Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's where I'm at. But I want to ask you this. Do you think when the NBA was creating this schedule, they're like, you know, Mobley was a runner-up to Barnes in a very closely contested rookie of the year race? Let's add a little bit of spice to this kind of rivalry that could be blossoming here between these two, and then this just always exists between these two teams. Or do you think this is just narrative-driven in, in my head because these are two of the most mild-mannered guys in the league at this point who probably just want to go out there, play hoops, and then play good defense against each other? I think it's narrative-driven in your head. Okay. Well, I'm going to drive it up, and again i'll give justin rowan a freebie on this one so when harden and mb don't play in the preseason you can say that they're afraid of mobley and allen not because the sixers are trying to rest to their uh free throw grifters but in terms of like the bigger opponents to shift lanes here are you mm-hmm. looking forward to that like the lakers are probably going to be bad i want to say I don't think the that's Laker, that hot the, of a take, but the, like the, the Lakers is fun because it's the Lakers will be LeBron. fun because e, because it's LeBron and like the Lakers are like a soap opera like yeah. like it like LeBron and LeBron back in Cleveland at any time even now that he signed this extension which we're gonna talk about on Friday show just because it's August and we should just we're gonna need time to talk about. Um, like it's still gonna be a big deal. It just is. Yeah. It just always, even though like the first time he's come back, is always the biggest deal. And like the the some of the the specter of hanging over his future is not there now in the same way as it, as it theoretically could have been. Mm-hmm. I, it's still just gonna be like a fascinating thing. I like. I hope someone's like LeBron. Why are you tweeting about Mark Price this summer? Well, then let me ask you this because I agree with you. Would you are you more excited for that game or a possible Clippers matchup where you have to face Kawhi Leonard and Paul George in early November? 
Probably the Clippers, because I think that team is that we like. I like. I it's just it's Ty plus PG plus Kawhi plus like that team's just gonna, like gonna kick a bunch John of butt if, if they're healthy. Yeah, uh, Jason Preston, um, Norm Powell, <laughs> like like you got a ton of dude. You got a ton of dudes on that team. So like, <laughs> one, I, one of those guys is even... not like the other. <laughs> one of those. I Evan, I'm only, I can only be myself. I can only be myself. That's That's, I can fair. only be myself. I I am I will be very excited for Jason Preston in the NBA for as long as I possibly can can ride this bit out. Like I I think of like the really good teams, the Clippers are really high up just because like they're so well coached and they have these like how the Cavs handle teams that have like those kind of wings. It's just like going to be an ongoing question about like yeah. what they're doing and like I would say if we're gonna pick like the really good teams, I want to see them against Milwaukee is number one for me. Just because, like, Giannis plus Middleton and handling that plus Drew on Darius is just, like, a certain kind of thing. Boston is up there as well. And I would say the Clippers, like, are there. Like, Phoenix is, like, fun, but it's not quite the same energy. It's, I, it's like, really Milwaukee is, like, I feel like the barometer of what Cleveland, like, for me in terms of, like, okay, like, how do the Cavs handle this really good team that has guys that can pressure point the Cavs in very specific ways? That's a good way to put it now when you lay it out like that because the Drew aspect and like him just kind of locking up Darius during that one game and tweaking Darius tweaking his back in the process was mm-hmm. interesting. I think Boston just is high up on my list for me because we talk about it a lot like that the Celtics did disrespect Isaac Okoro. Like I wonder how they like how Okoro looks like do he, does he keep defensive teams like Boston honest and like the Celtics have Marcus Smart who they get there at Darius Garland you have Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum who are both very good defensively you have the freaking Time Lord now Horford who are both really good on the interior like the Celtics have a lot of interesting pieces too to test the Cavs and I agree with your assessment of the Clippers just because Kawhi is arguably one of the best defensive players ever. He's so multifaceted. I think PG-13 is going to be interesting. John Wall like was a pretty solid defensive player before the injuries kind of bit him, but we haven't really seen him play since the injuries. I guess he had that time at the Rockets, but you have to take that with a grain of salt as well because that Rockets team is bad. Um, there's a lot of interesting things there. I'm, I'm interested to see how they look against the Warriors because like Andrew Wiggins completely flipped the script on himself during the playoffs. And now like he's like a very high-end two-way wing who could really give them a little bit of trouble, especially because Larry Marketing could have a hard time per- defending against him. And then like obviously there's a Steph Curry approach. Draymond physically may not be the player he was a couple years ago, but mentally is still there and is still probably going to find a way to contribute and pro- provide winning basketball for the Warriors. And then like Clay as well. Like he's going to be fully healthy. Like the Warriors are another interesting team and also a, a team yeah. the Cavs have to play early and can kind of like set the scale for okay, this isn't an Eastern Conference team, but this is the defending champs. Like, how do the Cavs look against the defending champions who are pretty loaded one through five and then have some really high-quality bench pieces as well? Yeah, uh, I would say random other teams just clicking, flipping through. Memphis is is a, oh, it's just fun. Memphis is going to be fun, especially because I know you don't care about national TV, but that's, like, that's a national TV game, and I wrote about this, like, them and New Orleans on national TV is just a way for the Cavs to say, like, hey, we're also a reason why the league's in a good place in terms of just, like, young players at, like, kind of non-glamour markets. Yeah, I'm the Tommy Lee Jones gif of, I don't care. Um, I the, 
Yeah, the team that I the the one the one team that I'm I will just be fascinated by ultimately is is because the Cavs have played them tough the last couple of years, and I think like they could be like a title contender is Denver. Like they've won in Denver mm-hmm. a couple of times, even under John. That was like the apex of the John Bayline era was like them winning in, in Denver. Um, well, we infamously said the Cavs had zero shot of winning that game, and then yep. they they like had the best win of the John Bayline era. Sometimes right before he stepped down too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I wonder why they stepped down. Who knows? Um, yeah, that that team's just like fascinating to me. I think they're really, really good and like could be really, really good. And Jokic is incredible. And like the Cavs just have played them tough for whatever reason. And I just, I just like why I like excuses to watch the Denver Nuggets. Like I am, I am that person. On the internet. I also truly do want to see how the Cavs look on the second game in Miami when they're there for three days. Yeah, that'll be interesting too. Well, especially now that. Evan Mobley is the only player who really can't go clubbing, but he still can because he's Evan Mobley. Like, how do they handle that? Do they handle the distractions and allure of the Miami nightlife? Because well, they he's, are, they Evan, he's had... 21. He's oh, 21 he? years old. Oh, he, was, he turned 21 in June. That boy can legally consume adult beverages. He can. You are correct. He can't consume an adult beverage. So the Cavs could be a little roasted and toasted in Game 2 against the Heat after Jimmy Butler goes to the gym at 3.30 in the morning in preparation for it. Yeah, I just I, that's just like peak like shenanigans could ensue game that like maybe it goes wrong just because it's the Miami flu. Well, I'll be there for the memories, and I hope we get like a nice high quality photo similar to Matthew Delvadova standing in a Hawaiian shirt holding a Corona light after they won the championship. Nah, there's no reason to document your mid regular season shenanigans. You only get to do that when you like win a title, and J.R. Smith is popping a champagne bottle on a waitress. That's fair too, but. Who knows? I don't know. I think I think the Cavs have a much more palatable schedule. We'll know how they look. Maybe we always say 15 to 20 games into the season. I think we'll have like a pretty good idea of maybe where they stand and maybe the just overall lack of offseason moves out of their granted out of their control financially and roster wise. But like the lack of moves, like was that the right call and was banking on internal development the right thing or do they need like another year to kind of marinate and get their feet well wet and just comfortable with the pressure of being a playoff caliber team? Like I think we'll kind of have a little bit of a better idea of like where they stand 15 to 20 games in just because of how heavy that schedule is. Yes. All right. That's going to be it. Uh, we'll be back on Friday to talk about LeBron James signing the extension with the Lakers, him not coming back to the Cavs next summer, why that was never really a thing, What just what that future relationship kind of looks like, all of the angles of that. And my hot take, maybe not a hot take, but why I think it's ultimately kind of good for the Cavs that they get to to move on in a, in a cleaner way than they might have otherwise, even if the vibes in our podcast revenue would have been incredible from LeBron James being on the team we cover. Because guess what? That actually matters. All right. But thanks for making Lockdown Cavs your first listen every day. This episode was produced by Jake Stevens. Again, back on Friday. For your second listen, get up to date on the latest news and rumors in the NBA in just 30 minutes every day with Locked in NBA. Locked in NBA is your daily NBA update in just 30 minutes. Check out Locked on Guardians. Check out Locked on Browns. Check out the Ultimate Cleveland Sports Show. Uh, Here's a little tease so you can figure it out. There is a contributor to the Ultimate Cleveland Sports Show who is going to be on our show next Tuesday and also will become a regular contributor throughout the season using their expertise on the NBA specifically to offer insight. I kind of been giving it away, honestly, mm-hmm. but you're a bit of a, you're, you're, you're selling or selling them. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Good Lord, Evan. All right. Until next time, I'm Chris. That's Evan. Everyone be well.